Hey, you guys, so happy to have you here. So can I just tell you one of my favorite parts of doing this Intuitive Eating April series on the podcast? I think what I love the most is the fact that, um, you know, I've been talking to all these amazing women who are professionals in the field of intuitive eating, whether they're intuitive eating counselors, registered dietitians, nutritionists, etc. But every time I go to do like their little intro before, you know, the actual interview part, um, all their intros are so similar because I asked them to, you know, write me a little brief biography so we know a little more about them and I can really like address them correctly. And they're all so similar to each other and me because we are all saying that, you know, we are working with women to help them ditch diet culture and make peace with food and their bodies. And I think that is so amazing. It's so cool to, you know, have these um, like-minded women who are all trying to basically achieve the same things. But one thing we all have in common is that we are big advocates for intuitive eating. So today is today is no different. I actually get to talk with Hannah Goldstein, who is the um, who is the face behind one of my favorite intuitive eating Instagram accounts, Holistic Health and Wellness. I will link it in the show notes so you guys can go follow her. But I love everything that she posts. It is. It is amazing, but anyways, today I talk with Hannah, who is a certified intuitive eating counselor, who also has her master's degree in nutrition, and in this episode, we're really diving into um, intuitive eating principles five and six, which is learning how to find that satisfaction factor along with really feeling your fullness, and we're also going to dive into the topic of cravings, which you are not going to want to miss. Hey you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast, hosted by your girl, Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God, and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. All right. Hello, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm really excited um, to have you on because you are going to be part of our intuitive eating April series and, you know, you're a professional in this field. So that's why I'm really excited to pick your brain and see, you know, what advice you have for our listeners that are starting on their intuitive eating journey. So before we dive into that, can you introduce yourself and tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Hannah Goldstein. Um, I am a nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor. So um, I graduated with my master's degree in nutrition about a year and a half ago. And then I did the intuitive eating certification program just last year. So I do a bit of one-on-one coaching, um, but lately I've been more focused on like small group programs just to help women ditch diet culture and learn to eat intuitively and make peace with food and all that. Awesome. That's so great. So what got you interested in um, like intuitive eating and nutrition? What is your relationship with food been? So, I mean, I've always been interested in nutrition. Um, When I was an undergrad, actually, I studied communications and that's when I started to get in 
solved in nutrition, um, but it was too late to change my degree. So I just finished it and then decided to do a master's later. Um, but my relationship with food has definitely changed drastically, um, even from when I was first interested in nutrition, like several years ago. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of people in the anti-diet realm um, who end up being intuitive eating coaches, like they've had their own struggles with food and body image as well. Um, kind of like the majority of people in our society. So I kind of have had similar experience. Um, like when I was younger, about 13, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, and I wasn't really at a place where I wanted to like get help for it, even though my parents tried to send me to like an outpatient clinic. Um, so once I was rate restored, I like was able to kind of convince my parents that I was fine. I didn't need to go anymore. And so throughout the next several years, like um, high school and college, and even a bit after that, I was still struggling on and off with like various eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. Um, and it was in grad school actually, um, which I completed in Israel that I was introduced to the idea of intuitive eating. Um, so I was still struggling a bit with my relationship with food when I started the nutrition program and I needed a topic to write for my thesis. And so my advisor, she recommended intuitive eating as a topic because it was something that she incorporates into her private practice with her clients. And um, I had never heard of intuitive eating before, um, but I started to read a bit about it online and I bought the intuitive eating book by Elise Resch and Evelyn Triboli. And when I was reading the book, like I, I really felt that it had been written for me in a sense, like I resonated so much with it. Um, and the book goes into a lot of detail already about the studies. Um, and I really like studies, you know, I wanna practice from like an evidence-based way. Um, and so when it came time to choose a thesis topic, I decided that doing a research paper on intuitive eating would allow me to dig into the research even more. Um, and after learning about, you know, I mean, the research is there, right? There's so many benefits of intuitive eating and just in general of having a weight neutral intervention when treating health conditions. So I just became very convinced that intuitive eating was the best thing ever. Um, and I felt that it was kind of the final thing that I needed to have a healthy relationship with food finally after so many years. And, you know, I was skeptical at first because, you know, like in nutrition and dietetics, usually the programs are not taught from a very health at every size perspective. Um, so I was writing papers on obesity in grad school and all these different things, but um, yeah, after school, after school, like I just wanted to keep learning about it. And so that's when I did the intuitive eating certification program. And I just feel very fortunate to be able to, you know, spread the word and help others learn about intuitive eating and diet culture and all that. Oh, that's so cool that, you know, a professor just like brought up the topic and that you've never even heard about it before. And it was probably just so life-changing for you. That is, yeah, that is so awesome. How long have you been on, you know, this intuitive eating journey? How long ago did that start? I mean, I guess it started just in grad school. So a little over a year, not very long. Um, but yeah, once I kind of had this information, like after I graduated, I felt like, you know, I had read all these studies. I knew so much about intuitive eating and I wanted to just share it with people. Like I felt compelled to like, just share everything I'd learned because like it helped me so much just having someone say the words, oh, intuitive eating and I, me going to look it up and like getting the book in that. But my, you know, my friends and family weren't extremely interested in it. You know, they're still dieting and all that. So um, that's when I decided to open an Instagram account. And I was like, all right, I'll just find people on Instagram who want to listen to what I have to say. And so I've been able to reach people that way, which has been really nice also. Yeah, that's so awesome. And, and like you said, it's so many people around us are still, you know, sucked into this um, diet culture and the diet mentality. And 
it can just be so hard because like you're like, I found this, you know, amazing mindset and self-care um, practice of intuitive eating. And I think people don't want to put in, you know, the time and effort that it takes for intuitive eating because it does take, mm-hmm. you know, like up to a year to really kind of get your groove and, and it's never ending and never evolving, which I think um, is, a, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think it's hard even, you know, for friends who maybe are interested in it, they're still surrounded by people who are dieting and trying to get this, like, you know, achieve the thin ideal. So I think it's really hard for people to kind of break away from that when they're constantly surrounded by diet culture. Um, it does, it takes a lot of effort. Um, but yeah, I just had to kind of realize that I wasn't going to be able to influence everyone. And, you know, if my mom still wants to diet, that's fine. Like I just, you know, help the people who are interested. Yeah. yeah. One of my, my favorite, um, like little quotes is that you want to be, you know, a lighthouse, not a tugboat. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, so I think that's what you're doing is you're being a lighthouse by just, you know, living it out and, you know, posting about it so other people can learn, but not forcing anyone into it. Because like you said, in the beginning, like with your, um, eating disorder, when it was like kind of forced for you to like find help, like it didn't work. Like you have to want it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's what, what we just have to keep in mind when we see other people around us who are continuing to diet and continuing to have, you know, this negative mindset and relationship with food that, you know, all we can really do is try to be our best selves and love and support them no matter what, just hope that one day they're like, Hey, what's intuitive eating? And you're like, girl, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at least like people follow my account. So they know like I, that I'm not interested in talking about it. So when we go out, it's usually not a topic of conversation anymore, which I appreciate. Um, yes, that's yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because people need to follow more accounts like yours and less about, you know, these other social media accounts who are preaching the exact opposite. And that's why I think it's so important to like, since we all spend so much time on social media, like be aware, yeah. you know, who are we following? Cause we're going to like unconsciously start kind of, um, you know, adapting their beliefs and stuff. So yes, we'll definitely put your Instagram handle in the, um, in the show notes so people can Mm -hmm. find you and follow you because I love your content. I think it's great. I'm, I'm always learning something. So, (laughs) so uh, I really want to focus on intuitive eating principles five and six and kind of dive into that. So intuitive eating principle five, I remember correctly is discovering the satisfaction factor, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, um, can you kind of explain what that means and how we go about even finding the satisfaction factor? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so satisfaction is something I think that happens not only when we eat what we really want to, um, something that's like pleasurable to us, but we do so in a generally positive and welcoming environment. Um, and contrary to what diet culture tells us, satisfaction plays a really big role in satiety. So of course the quantity of food play a role in it. Um, we have all these hormones also that play a role throughout the process of like ingesting food and then absorbing nutrients, but these sensations that we get from food, like the tastes and our, even our associations with them, um, and whether or not we find a food pleasurable that also impacts satiety. And so satisfaction, fullness, they're not, they're not exactly the same thing, but satisfaction makes it much easier to stop eating when we reach comfortable fullness. Um, and while both play a role in, you know, when you decide to stop eating, you can feel physically full without feeling completely satisfied. So if we're craving a brownie, 
um, we likely won't feel satisfied by eating five cucumbers instead, even though we feel physically full. So it can kind of be helpful to think of satisfaction as being more of the mental feeling while fullness is like the physical sensation of like a distended stomach and all that. Um, and you know, like diet culture also wants us to think that we can trick our bodies into like not being hungry by filling up on water and other low calorie foods and liquids. But once our bodies realize that like we're just drinking water or we're not getting enough calories or absorbing enough nutrients, like we still will be thinking about food and craving certain foods because our bodies are trying to signal to us that they need more fuel. Um, so even though, you know, we sometimes think that we can trick our bodies into not being hungry and to not craving a certain food, our bodies are extremely smart um, and they know when they're not eating enough. So I think, you know, there's this, there's a sense of deprivation that we feel when we are eating an unsatisfying meal and not, not all meals have to be satisfying. Like sometimes meals are just practical. You know, you're on the road, you're hungry, you need fuel, you just stop and pick up something. So it doesn't, it's not that every meal has to be like hundred percent, the most satisfying meal ever. Um, but when we're left with like the sense of deprivation, it can lead us to sort of snack on all sorts of other foods that we don't really want. Um, so just as an example, like this is a kind of a common scenario that people talk about um, when, we're, when they're dieting. So let's say you're craving chocolate one afternoon, but you know, you've been taught that chocolate is unhealthy. It's not on your diet plan. So you try to satisfy your craving with fruit instead, because you're like, oh, okay, it's got some sugar in it, but it's natural. That'll be a healthier option. So not like you won't always feel satisfied after eating the fruit because it's not really what you wanted in that moment. And then often, you know, if fruit doesn't do the trick for you, then you might move on to like a healthier Weight Watchers brownie or something else that you think will satisfy that chocolate craving. And then if that doesn't do it either, then oftentimes we end up eating the chocolate anyway. It might not be that day. It might be, you know, on the weekend or something. Um, and usually, so when we're avoiding the foods that we really want, we end up eating more overall because we had the fruit and we had the Weight Watchers brownie. And then we just ended up eating the brownie anyway, um, or the chocolate, whatever. And um, so, you know, we just have to think of like how much easier would it have been to just eat the chocolate from the start and then have been able to stop thinking about it and move on with our day. So when we're dieting, satisfaction isn't really something that we're putting much thought into because we're very preoccupied with like the rules that we have to follow and what we're allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. Um, and so, you know, yeah, often what we really want to eat is not even considered when making food choices. But yeah, the other thing is that, you know, some dieters, they actually fear satisfaction because they think that they'll eat in sort of this like out of control way if they allow themselves to have foods that they really enjoy. But I know at least with my clients, I find the exact opposite to be true, that not eating the foods that truly satisfy us is actually the cause of this like chaotic and out of control eating. Because, you know, by the time we get to the chocolate, we're thinking in this sort of all or nothing mentality. And we sometimes think to ourselves, well, you know, I've already blown it. I've already broken my diet. So I may as well just eat all the chocolate. I'll finish it all. And then I'll start the diet again tomorrow. So although it sounds really scary to allow ourselves to eat the foods that we've been avoiding and restricting for so long, I think this is actually the best way to prevent overeating and binging later. I really like that you like said the difference between being satisfied and being full, because I feel like, so like the old way that diet culture was like, you weren't allowed to be either. <laughs> you weren't going to be satisfied or full. And now, like, I feel like people are trying to like trick some of these diets into being like, all right, we'll add all this volume so you can be full, but you're still not satisfied. And like you said, we're, we, 
with diets and stuff and saying no to our cravings or whatever we feel like we want. It's like the path from point A to point B, point A being, you know, where you are right now being hungry and craving chocolate and point B being eating that chocolate. We just like extend this path so long. So I love that, that you made those points because like you said, I think a lot of us fear that if we eat and honor our cravings and, you know, honor our hunger cues that we're gonna, like you said, just overeat um, just eat way too much. And like I talked about, um, like we talked about in a a previous episode when I was interviewing someone else, you know, we talked about the honeymoon phase. So yes, that might happen in the beginning, but it's not something, you know, that's going to happen forever. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's also important to know that sometimes in the process of intuitive eating, like we do, we will overeat certain foods that have been off limits to us. And it's kind of just a way to like rebuild trust with our bodies so that they know that we will eat that food when it wants it. Um, I definitely experienced that myself. I mean, I was eating like a tub of ice cream at a time for several weeks and, you know, now I can leave it all in my freezer and I forget about it. And, you know, I just eat however much I want when I'm craving it, when I feel the need to eat it. So once you make any food off limits, you're going to want it all the time. And with intuitive eating, nothing is off limits. Therefore, you know, it's nothing's like super special, like, oh my gosh, I'm having dessert or ooh, I'm being so bad and having an Oreo. And then you end up being the whole sleeve where like, if you just allowed yourself to have Oreos whenever you wanted, you'd probably only have a couple and it's not that big of a deal and you're satisfied. I was just going to say, people use this example of like, you put a child in a room full of like a bunch of toys and then you have like a wooden block in the middle and you tell the child like, okay, you can play with any toy except for that block in the middle. And like, you know, which block do you think they're, which toy do you think they're going to want to play with? It's going to be that boring block. And it's not because it's a fun toy and they, you know, they find it very enjoyable to play with, but it's because it's off limits. So it makes them want it even more. So it's definitely, there's like the psychology that, you know, affects adults too, where we want things that we can't have. That's a really good comparison. Yeah. Cause anyone doesn't matter if you're a kid or adult, once you tell someone, no, it's like, oh, well, well, maybe I do want it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, then let's transition to eating intuitive eating principle six, which is feeling our fullness. So you talked about the difference between satisfaction and fullness. So then how do we learn how to feel our fullness when moving on to that intuitive eating principle? So feeling our fullness, it definitely relates to um, the principle of honoring our hunger. Um, and a lot to satisfaction as well. So, you know, if you eat a meal when you aren't very hungry, like you're already kind of full, you won't be as satisfied as if you eat when you're moderately hungry. Um, and the same thing, like if you're ravenous, then you're likely not to be as satisfied because you're going to eat very quickly and often past comfortable fullness. Um, but when you eat somewhere in the middle, when you're moderately hungry, you will enjoy the food much more. Um, and the reason for this is because, you know, our senses are heightened when we're hungry and there's these neurons that change our perception to taste when we're hungry. So bitter becomes less offensive to the palate and sweet tastes become more appealing when we're craving foods. And we also release more serotonin when we're hungrier. So we feel really good and satisfied after eating a meal when we're hungry. So this, this principle of feeling our fullness is it's all about looking at the signs that our body is no longer hungry and honoring hunger and respecting fullness are really two sides of the same coin. Um, and both are connected with um, you know, reconnecting with our bodies and trusting our bodies. So if we honor our hunger, 
then we're more likely to honor our fullness. Because like I said, if we get too hungry, we end up in this sort of primal, primal hunger state and we tend to overeat because our brains are like, oh my God, there's a food, food shortage. Um, I need to stock up on food for later. So yeah, a few ways that our bodies signal to us that they've had enough to eat. I mean, there's a few ways it's going to be different for everyone, kind of like with hunger cues, but there's this feeling of pressure in the stomach, like a distended stomach. Um, also, usually when we reach comfortable fullness, food becomes less appetizing. Um, and all of these different signals that initially got us to eat in the first place, which may be, you know, a growling stomach, fatigue, lightheadedness, those will diminish as well. So these are things to look out for. And I will note, especially, you know, with eating disorder recovery, um, I think it's important to note that, you know, your fullness cues might not be completely reliable. So while it's great to work towards intuitive eating as a goal, a lot of people recovering from an eating disorder will say that they feel full after just a few bites of eating. Um, and of course, it's because our cues aren't reliable. So during recovery, we might have to eat a bit past fullness um, until we can trust those biological cues again. But often, so with fullness, intuitive eating coaches, they often use a hunger fullness scale, which is just a scale from one to 10. Um, you're probably familiar with it, where each number corresponds to a level of hunger or fullness. And we use the scale to help our clients um, better understand different levels of hunger and fullness, and then just how to appropriately respond to those different levels. So for example, one is on like the very hungry side, ravenous, and two is like very, very hungry. Um, so we usually want to eat before we reach that point. Um, usually around a three is when we're like, we're hungry, we need more fuel. And then as we move up, five is neutral and seven is satisfied, which is where we usually want to stop eating. And then if we go further, nine is like very uncomfortable and 10 is like sick from eating so much. So of course we ideally want to stop before we reach this point. Um, but I don't always use this scale with clients. Sometimes I prefer to just have clients say if they feel comfortable, neutral, or uncomfortable, um, especially if they get used to, like if they've been focusing on numbers and that's they're trying to move away from that. Because one worry with this scale is that intuitive eating will become this sort of hunger fullness diet. And of course, that's not what we want. Like, you know, it's totally normal to eat past fullness sometimes. Um, and sometimes we have to wait until, you know, we can't have food right away. So we're going to be a little more hungry. And this doesn't mean that we're failing intuitive eating. It's just going to be different depending on the day and the experience. Yeah. And it's going to take a, a little while for us to truly um, just be in tune with our hunger cues and what our body's telling us, especially in the beginning um, of the intuitive eating journey. And I know a lot of people, including myself, you know, in the beginning um, ended up um, eating past fullness, overeating, um, and then of course, because of the diet mentality, feeling guilty for overeating. And so that, that makes me want to ask you, um, like, what do you recommend if we overeat? Because I know so many people have the all or nothing mindset of thinking like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I already, you know, messed up. So I might as well just go, <laughs> go ham and eat everything. So what do you recommend for those in the beginning of their intuitive eating journey, or maybe they've been doing it for a while and they overeat? So I think, like I said, it's important to remember that it's hundred percent normal to occasionally eat past fullness. And it's part of just like the human experience. It doesn't make you weak or bad in any way. Um, and when we overeat, we want to kind of use the experience like all other eating experiences as just a way to learn more about ourselves rather than being judgmental. So we want to come at it from like an analytical lens with curiosity. Um, 
there are several reasons why we may overeat. You know, if we're at a dinner party or event and there's lots of food to choose from, we want to just try it all, then we might overeat. And this is totally normal. But if you're eating, if you're overeating past the point of comfortable fullness every meal, then we want to try to understand why this is happening. Um, you know, maybe we're overeating because we're numbing our emotions. So we might want to find healthier ways to cope with those negative emotions. And again, we don't want to demonize emotional eating because, you know, sometimes food is what's available, but we don't want food to be our only coping mechanism. Because some people, even if they're no longer dieting, they're still in like a diet mentality slightly. And this can cause you, like, even if you just think like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this food, like, and you're not on a real diet that can cause you to overeat on the food. Um, so just kind of really checking in and seeing where you're at with like your relationship with food, um, because it takes a long time to really be able to, it can take a long time to really be able to give ourselves unconditional permission to eat all foods. Um, and I think if you find yourself overeating most of the time, you know, a few helpful suggestions are to try to eat more mindfully and focus on the eating experience. Um, we, you know, when we are eating without distractions, we're more easily able to tune into our fullness cues and focus on the tastes and the textures of food. And this will lead to a more satisfying eating experience if we pay attention to the food that we're eating. So oftentimes we overeat if we're distracted. Um, it can also be helpful to eat slowly and not rush through meals. So that way you also can tune in and see how you're feeling throughout the meal. Um, and this also just allows you to taste the textures and the aromas and notice the food. Um, and if you have to be doing something while you eat, like working during a busy day, like, of course, some people, like I also sometimes have to eat while I'm working. Um, and if you know that you are, you are likely to mindlessly eat and as a result, overeat, something that actually a client taught me that helps her and that now I recommend to a few of my other clients is to use this sort of two plate method. Um, some people might find this helpful. So I'll just mention it, but, um, so basically what you do is you take out however much food you think that you might want and you put like a smaller amount on a second plate. And that way you bring that back to your desk or whatever. And once you finish the food on that second plate, you're sort of forced to take a moment and reevaluate your hunger. Um, cause I know a lot of people, at least in my experience and with my clients, like they bring this big plate of food and they're more likely to eat all of it if they're not paying attention to their hunger cues. So having the second plate allows you to like really stop and reevaluate your hunger, notice if the food tastes good to you. Um, and then of course you can go back and get more food until you're comfortably full. But I think this is definitely helpful for people who are usually multitasking. The other thing I'll say about this is that sometimes you'll reach physical fullness um, and satisfaction before the food on your plate is gone. So some people have like the opposite problem and it can be hard for people who grew up in um, a family or an environment where they were encouraged to clean their plates and finish all the food that they got. Um, it can be hard for them to kind of put the food away for later. Um, you just, but you know, you might realize that you'll actually, you'll enjoy the leftovers more later um, or even like dessert. If we're already full, we might wait a few hours and then have the dessert and it'll actually probably taste better to us and we'll enjoy it more. So just remembering that we don't have to finish all the food on our plates either. We can put it away for later and we'll probably enjoy it more than anyway. Yeah. You, you make good points that, you know, so many of us eat while we're, while we're busy and while we're multitasking and while, yeah, that can be a part of life. We're not able to sit back and really, you know, evaluate and listen to our hunger cues. 
And I think that's, um, you know, one thing we all need to work on more, especially in the beginning of the intuitive eating journey, is if you really want to heal your relationship with food and learn how to, um, you know, reach fullness and honor your hunger cues, you got to take that time um, to listen to your body. So when it comes to um, cravings, um, I know... (laughs) people like, like you were saying in the beginning, like, Oh, I'm craving chocolate. So I'm going to eat fruit because there's sugar. Like that is something diet culture (laughs) needs to stop saying, because if I'm craving chocolate, I want chocolate. So can you explain um, to our listeners where, where do cravings come into play with um, intuitive eating and someone starting their intuitive eating journey? Yeah. Um, So I think, I think cravings are interesting in general because they can happen for a variety of reasons. So I've had clients um, crave certain foods for several years and only to realize that after making peace with food and really giving themselves unconditional permission to eat these foods, they realize that they don't even like the foods that much. And that, you know, all the hype was simply because the food was forbidden. So it made it that much more appealing. Um, So I think that's an interesting thing that sometimes happens with cravings and you know, in general, I think that food cravings, again, kind of with like, with overeating, like they should be investigated and honored. So eating the foods that we crave, kind of like the example I gave earlier with the chocolate, it's the best way to move on with our day and to feel satisfied. And it's also a way to help rebuild trust with our bodies. So when we respond accordingly to our hunger and fullness cues and cravings, our bodies will in turn provide us with more reliable cues. So if we're craving something simply because it's off limits, once we allow ourselves to eat all foods, our bodies will learn that all foods are always available. And then we will start craving foods like fruits and vegetables. Um, and our bodies, they're also really smart. You know, like I, this is something I really learned throughout this whole intuitive eating process is like, like they do these incredible things to, you know, if you're not eating enough, your metabolism will slow down. Like they do all these things that we don't even know that they're doing to try to like, you know, keep us alive and all that. Um, and they also know what foods we need. So another reason that we might crave certain foods, um, is because we're deficient in a certain nutrient. Um, I had one client who was craving beef. Like she said, she was experiencing these intense cravings, especially during her period. And she later found out that she was anemic. So likely she was craving beef because of the high iron content. And to be honest, I haven't really looked much into the research behind this. Um, but I've had a few clients have certain food cravings that were high in a particular nutrient that they later discovered they were deficient in. So I definitely think it's a interesting sort of phenomena. Um, I, something I want to look more into. Um, and of course there also may be certain health conditions where, which can lead to food cravings. So I think of course these things need to be investigated if you're experiencing like really intense cravings for long periods of time. But in general, I think that a lot of the times we're craving foods that are off limits and really once we get rid of the diet mentality and challenge a food place and give ourselves unconditional permission to eat these foods, the cravings will go down. Um, and I think the best way to, you know, to do this, to make peace with food and to be able to move on after meals, feeling satisfied and prevent binging and overeating later is to honor our cravings and really allow ourselves to have the foods that sound good to us. Yeah. And I know for me, at least like before, when I had an unhealthy relationship with food and I was extreme dieting, I literally had like so many cravings where I would just like scroll through like food pages on Instagram and be like, Oh my gosh, like I want this, I want this, but I can't have it. And like now that I've healed my relationship with food and I've been intuitive eating, like when I see that these pictures on Instagram, like 
I like, I'll be like, Oh, that looks, that looks good. And then I move on and I forget. And I think a lot of people will be shocked to realize that, like you were saying, like you don't really have that many cravings if you're not cutting these foods out. And if these foods are, are off limits and yeah, you're, you're going to have these cravings. So the biggest thing is don't have any food that's off limits. So I think that those are some great points you made. So what words of encouragement do you have for those who are maybe, you know, just starting their intuitive eating journey, or maybe they're a little nervous to start because, you know, it's unlike diets, diets have strict rules. Intuitive eating Mm -hmm. doesn't have strict rules. So what words of encouragement do you have for them? Okay. So I think something that's important to remember. Okay. There's a few things that I want to say. So the first is to remember that intuitive eating is a journey and it's not something that you can fail like a diet. So even if you find yourself binging or not honoring your hunger or fullness cues one day, you're not failing. And we have to remember that after years or decades of dieting and being raised in this culture of dieting, where we're all pressured to look a certain way and fit into the thin ideal, it's going to take some time to unlearn what we've been taught and to be able to reconnect with our biological cues and eat intuitively. Um, And this leads me to my next point, which is just like the importance of showing yourself compassion during this journey. So it's important to take, you know, every experience, whether it's positive or negative as an opportunity to learn more about your body and yourself and your triggers. Um, I was talking, you know, to this other intuitive eating counselor the other day, um, just about how even us coaches who teach others to intuitively and accept their bodies feel pressure to lose weight and sometimes still have diet thoughts. Um, you know, my husband and I are having our wedding in September and I still sometimes think like, Oh, like how would I look in a wedding dress if I was in a smaller body? But you know, now I know better. Um, and I know how to cope with these thoughts. And so I don't give into it and start dieting. So just giving yourself compassion during the process, um, and know that there's not one right way to do intuitive eating. Um, and again, like, so we were talking about, you know, social media earlier, and I think like just a few tips for people starting out is to really surround yourself with positive content. If you're on social media, um, following accounts where people are encouraging intuitive eating, um, body diversity, body acceptance, and things like this can be very helpful. Um, also brands that promote body diversity and reading books and listening to podcasts like this podcast um, about intuitive eating and body acceptance and health at every size, that can be very helpful. Um, And just, you know, like when you're starting out, I think also removing, I mean, I think nobody needs to use the scale or other external feedback sources, but I think kind of deleting my fitness pal, these are just like some easy first steps that you can take to really start to reconnect to their body and heal your relationship with food. So stop weighing yourself, you know, delete my fitness pal. and yeah, maybe lastly, just don't be afraid to set boundaries and prioritize your, your healing and your mental health. So, you know, you can set boundaries with your friends and family and tell them, you know, you don't want them coming to know your body or your food choices. I think just these, I mean, I was going to say simple things. It's not very easy to set boundaries. I know it's not for me still, uh, but these can just be some helpful tips, you know, get started with intuitive eating and making peace with food. I love all those tips, especially that last one, like setting boundaries. And if we want to set ourselves up for success, like you said, the social media, who are we following? What we have on our phone, what we have in our house, whether it's my fitness pal or your scale. Um, and you know who you're surrounding yourself with too. It's, I agree. It can be very uncomfortable to, you know, tell those you're close to, like, I don't appreciate you commenting on my body or I don't want to talk about diets. 
Um, but hopefully saying something like that will, you know, maybe start a conversation, um, and help someone else. So, um, thank you for sharing all that. So where can our listeners, um, connect with you, you know, find you on social media, maybe if they wanted, um, to work with you, how can they find you? Um, so I'm primarily on Instagram. Um, I think I have accounts on some other social media platforms, but I don't really use them. Um, and my handle, I think you said you'll, you'll add it below. It's holistic health and wellness, holistic with a W at the beginning, because I like to focus on the whole body, both physical and mental. And uh, there, um, there's underscores between each word, but that's the best place to connect with me. And um, holistichealthandwellness.org is my website. So you can learn more about, you know, coaching on there as well and the programs I offer. Awesome. I will link both of those um, in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on and for all that you do and for everything you taught us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All right, you guys, that is it for today. If you have any more questions about um, maybe any of the intuitive eating principles or maybe really questions about handling your cravings, feel free to, you know, follow me on Instagram and send me a DM. My Instagram is at this is Miranda Lee, and I'd love to answer those questions. Or you can join my free Facebook empowerment community where you can post these questions in the group. So, you know, I'm sure other people have very similar questions that you have. So you can go to bit.ly slash Miranda Lee FB to, um, to join that group. Alrighty. I will catch you guys in the next episode.